The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women 2. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. I'm so happy to have you on board today. We have a wonderful show. Let's kick off the new year with poker. All right. So um, we're going to be having um, uh, a guest of mine. His name is Todd Wittellis. And the name of this show is Poker, the Professional Gambling Lifestyle. He is a World Series of Poker bracelet winner. And we're going to be having him on in just a moment. So you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show. If you happen to have missed last week's show, we rang in the new year with comedians Mike Muratori and Matt Walker. If you happen to miss that show or any show, you can go to uh, Google tune in forward slash Linda Gross and you can see that particular show and my whole archive of shows. Uh, please do subscribe to the tune in and that way you, it'll be uh, right there uh, for you. Also, if you haven't done so already, um, please log in to my men's um, advocate show with Linda Gross on the Facebook fan page and in the upper right hand corner, click the like page like page button. If you do that once a week, you'll get all the announcements with who the guests are, what we're talking about, any links um, that we're talking about on the show. It'll all be at the ready for you. All right. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Todd Wittellis. Uh, Todd was one of the very first people to step forward to welcome me to my first broadcast radio gig as host last year. He was quick to tell me some of the station's background and the behind-the-scenes landscape, and I'm forever grateful to have him to be a friend of the show and a listener of the show and um, always being in my court. Welcome, Todd. How are you today? Good, and uh, thank you, Linda. Thank you for having me on the show, and... uh this will be an interesting hour of radio. A lot of things that uh, I can talk about related to the professional poker lifestyle. I think a lot of people are not aware of. And uh, I will be an open book here during this hour. Any questions you'd like to have for me or the listeners have for me, I'll be happy to answer them. Uh, not just about poker, but anything about Las Vegas or gambling. I know a lot about all of that, and I've been doing it for uh, 13 years now. Quite some time, yeah. Let me give you. Let me give our listeners a little bit of the history on you. Uh, Todd is a former computer science uh, specialist turned poker poker pro. Um, he's primarily a cash game player, and after four years in poker, he finally entered his first tournament in the 2005 
World Series of Poker, where he played the $1,500 limit Texas Hold'em event. He finished in third place out of a field of a little over a 1,000 entrants and cashed in nearly $116,000. During the same World Series of Poker, Todd also played the $3,000 limit Hold'em event, and he finished first, and that won him the World Series of Poker Gold Bracelet, um, earning a purse of almost $350,000. He set a World Series record World Series of Poker record as no other player in history has finished better in their first two events. He was also named Card Player Magazine's 2005 World Series of Poker Player of the Year. Wow, Todd, what an amazing feat. What were your winning strategies to uh, make all this happen? It's funny, as you mentioned there uh, when you were telling people a bit about me, I was a cash game player. I first started playing poker at the beginning of 2001, and I was not a professional poker player. Then I just played after work on the weekends, things like that. Uh, I played some live card rooms. I played some at the very early online poker rooms. And uh, so I was just playing recreationally. For about the two years, I was uh, a break-even player. I wasn't losing, but I wasn't really winning. Uh, in 2003, it, it finally started to take off for me where I started to – I got good enough to win. And also the games actually got easier because poker had just appeared on TV where people could watch poker being played with one's cards. And it was fun for the viewer to watch. And policy. the poker got very popular for the reason in 2003 and a lot of amateurs entered the game. It made it a lot easier for me was already a player, to beat these people. So I quit my job in 2003 and... I became a professional poker player at that point, and I'm still one today in 2016. I still playing poker tournaments. I was playing with some cash games, and what a cash game is is where you put the you buy in for whatever money you have on you, whatever money you put into the poker game. And when you're finished playing, if you have more money than you started with, you less money than you started with, then you lost. It's very simple. Uh, tournaments are different. Tournaments you buy in for a fixed amount of money. $500, $1,000, whatever, and then you're getting chips that don't really have any real value. They're just uh, chips that represent how well you're doing in the tournament. And as long as you have chips, you're still in the tournament. As soon as you run out of chips, you're out. And the get paid in the tournament is how long you last. So if you're the longest-lasting person with all the chips, then you get the first place. If you're the second if you're the second last there, else is out for you except for the winner, then you can place money, which is also very good. From there, about 10% of the people who enter a poker tournament will get some form of money, where 90% of the people who enter don't get money. But I didn't really like turn play for that reason. I, I didn't like entering something where only 10% of the people get paid and where the money is really only in the first few spots. I just like cash. If I won, I was a winner. I lost more than I won, and I was a loser. It was a much uh, easier to deal with psychologically. So in 2005, after not ever playing any poker tournaments, even though they were very big at this time because people had been seeing them on TV, I had no interest in them. I was in Las Vegas. I was living in Las Vegas at the time, and someone, a friend of mine, asked me, are you going to play the tournament tomorrow? And so I said, well, I, I don't know, like, 
<laughs> I hadn't planned on it, but the person suggested I play, said he thinks I'll do well in it. So I entered my first series of poker event and really my first tournament with over a thousand people, as you mentioned, and finished third place. It was a $1,500 buy-in. Third place paid $116,000. So I was very happy with that. There was a much better result than I could have anticipated. And I entered my next event a month later. The World Series of Poker was still going. This is closer to the end of it. This was a $3,000 event. And I, well, I probably didn't have to do the first one, but uh, <laughs> I guess maybe. And somehow I did. When I started to do well, I, you know what? I don't want to finish third again. I don't want to finish second again. I want to win this one. And I remember talking to my mom about that. She said, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. If you say things like that, anything but first place is going to be a disappointment, even if you still win a lot of money. And I said, finished third last time. I was happy with the result, but it was a little disappointing. I want to win this one. And I won it. I won one, and uh, I was the only person ever to have finished third and first or anything better than that in the first two World Series events, and that's still true today, that nobody's entered two events and done that well in the first two. Well, uh, now, I want to I talk to you a little bit about how you, you know, had your mindset to come to that goal. Um, we have to take a quick station ID. When we come back from the break, let's hear about uh, Todd's winning and how he won that, that bracelet. So uh, we'll be right back with you right after the break. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Do you have a business or are you thinking about starting one? Do you have contracts, leases, and other documents that need legal review to ensure you are protected? If so, contact the law offices of Michael W. Brown for assistance. With over 20 years experience advising clients on business matters, they provide practical legal advice to help you succeed. Their goal is to give the right answer for you, not just the legal answer. Initial consultations are always free. Visit mwb-law.net or call 949 949- 636-8128. That's the law offices of Michael W. Brown. 949-636-8128. Hey guys, want to go from cocky and confused to confident in four sessions or less? Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Tackle relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's www.themensadvocate.com slash coaching. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women 2. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. 
on KMET 1490 AM Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. You're on with my guest today, Todd Wattellis. Uh, we're going to we're talking about poker, the professional gambling lifestyle. We were just in the middle of talking about how he continued on his venture with the World Series of Poker and won uh, the third place uh, finish in one of the rounds. And then he was just about to tell us on how he went on to win um, his first place finish. So go ahead, Todd. Yeah, so as I said, I was uh, wanting to finish first in this one, even though it was probable so, and I did. And I won the World Series of Poker Bracelets, and uh, that was a, a very dear moment to me. And it was funny, before that, I didn't really care much about World Series of Bracelets, but once I played the first event and finished third, I really, really wanted to win one. And to do that on the second try, uh, I still... I'm very proud of that. I'm still uh, very, very nice memory moments. Fortunately, it has been a lot of years since then. I haven't won a second bracelet. I've come close a few times, but haven't done it. And uh, as luck will have it, my best two finishes at the World Series of Poker were those first two events. <laughs> so I did get very lucky to finish as well as I did there. I can't say that uh, I performed some kind of magic to do that. If I did, I'd finish first or third every time. And uh, be the best poker player in the world, but uh, a lot of it is luck too. So that's how you have success in poker. You have to approach the game properly. You got to play each hand as well as you can. And then if luck beats you, then there's nothing you can do. And if luck rescues you when you don't play the best, then sometimes it goes the other way. Well. Got it. Sounds really good. All right, Todd. If you don't mind, we have a caller on the line. His name is uh, Sherwin. Uh, Sherwin, are you there? I think you had a question, and you also had a little bit of a story to tell us as well. Yes, I do. And it's nothing as crazy as Todd's because I'm not a professional player, but I also play recreationally in uh, cash games with friends, and also at the casino from time to time. Nothing crazy. Uh, being here in Las Vegas as well. But one story was, like he was saying, luck is on your side. You had pockets, and it was a $100 tournament, and my friend had an ace-king suited, and I held up and at the end won uh, $1,500, so that wasn't a bad night at all. My question is, in cash tournament games, if you're in the middle of the chip stack and your first action i mean what hands would you go in with for me it's probably pocket jackson up ace king suited ace queen suited uh ace king non-suited and maybe ace jack suited uh i was wondering what uh todd thought about that is that conservative or uh pretty accurate or what should you do well unfortunately there's no way to really answer that because depends on the makeup of the game and uh the more skilled the players are there, uh, the more, the tighter you're going to want to play as far as the starting hand requirements, the ones that you will play versus fold. Uh, if you're against a lot of lousy players who with anything and don't <laughs> raise, 
or who right. don't race very much unless they really have something big, which gives away what their hand is. You know, the guy who will always just call unless he's got like, queens, kings, or aces, and then he raises you, then, then you know he's got queens, kings, or aces, and it's easier to play him. So it, against players like that, you can really open up the number of hands you play against them because it's a lot easier to tell where they're in the hand, and you can get a lot of money from them. Against tough players uh, who, who will re-raise you with a lot of different holdings uh, or even ones that are also very tight and just uh, will only play good hands, that's where you have to watch out and in these early position hands play on good ones like you described. So if you're right. playing lower limit poker, I wouldn't be that tight. I think what you work on is observing everyone else at the table and how they're playing, what hands they're showing down, what hands they're calling raises to. Like if you raise and calls and you see he turned over a 6-3 suited, that's an indication he's not a very good player, probably. So uh, if you see a number of those guys at the table, then you can open up the hands you're playing because if they're calling you, you still probably have a better hand than them. And if they're pretty straightforward with how they play, then if they're raising you and your hand is good but not great, it's a lot easier to fold against them. It's uh, a, a lot. The whole thing is seeing what you have and figuring out what they have and seeing if you can understand that they're ahead of you or behind you in the hand. And if you can do that, then you're going to be very successful. And at the the good news is that the lower limit games, uh, these players are typically not very good and pretty easy to figure out. And it, and when I say reading them, it's not like you see on TV where you look at the guy's face and you can tell what he has. Uh, you can occasionally do that, but I'm talking just the way they play, observing the way they play, observing how they act with different cards when they turn them over. And uh, after you get that information from watching them at the table, then it will give you the power to play better against them in subsequent hands. So that's that's what I would suggest. Okay, thank you. One last question would be just what would be the best way to learn, forget about the books, get the experience, and go with that? Well, there's also training sites out there. I don't know which is the best one, so I can't recommend one, but there's training sites out there which put videos where you watch a guy playing, usually like online, and mm -hmm. uh, you watch the way he's playing. He explains his thinking with each hand. It would be very useful to watch those, especially... Uh, you're an okay player who knows, who understands the game and knows what's going on, but you think there's a lot of room for improvement. These guys who do the videos are typically very good, and uh, okay. well, they're pretty cheap. It's a lot cheaper than hiring a poker coach. You can those, you watch it, you, know, you pay thirty bucks, and it's your event. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you, Sherwin. Thank you. All right. So uh, what are the steps in opening up an online account? How e easy is it to just start playing? Well, nowadays it's pretty hard. There has been a lot of action by the U.S. government against online poker sites, which have never been. Now, there's a few legal ones, like in Nevada, WSM.com, which is a legal site. Uh, and then there are some in New Jersey and where, uh, but those are the only three states providing legal online poker. And if you're in another state, uh, there are sites like Bovada where you can play that have been around a long time uh, that you can play that are not legal. Now, you're not breaking the law by doing so. The sites themselves are breaking the law by offering you the game. So uh, you could walk into the police station and say, hey, I'm playing illegal online poker, and they wouldn't arrest you. But uh, at the same time, those sites, since they're not licensed or regulated, uh, number one, it's harder to get money on them sometimes, and number two, if you have any grievance against them, tough luck. You're, you're really just taking the chance. Now, I do play on them because that's really my only choice if I want to play online. But 
uh, it is tougher than some years ago. It was there were a lot of sites to play on, and you just take out your credit card, put the money on there, and there was no fee, and it was very easy. But if people want to play online, if they really do, uh, they should. I, I would recommend Ada. VAEA, and I don't work for them or anything, but they're the biggest one off U.S. players. But beware when you play online poker, the players that will be in the games there are going to be better than the ones you face live at the same level. So just to play one two no limit in your live card room, and you try one two no limit on Bovada, those players are going to be way better on Bovada. You're going to have to step down to like five cent fifty cent to find the caliber of player. They have to be that so those games play a lot faster because you're not waiting for a dealer to re-pull uh, things that just make really fast so you'll lose and win money a lot faster online than you will live at the same so you have to keep that in mind as well people can lose money online at staggering rates even if they're good players so uh, it can be stressful so that's uh it's not for everyone some people like online poker like i do some don't like it at all and just stick to playing live i like it because i can do it for my I don't have to go sit in the card room. I can things. I don't have to drive anywhere. Uh, if I turn on the online site and the game isn't good, I can just quit it after five minutes. Whereas if you've been a long way to the card room, you don't always want to go back home if you've been there five minutes and don't like the game. Hmm. Would you say you have to be fairly a decent player uh, playing live before you try online? Yes, you should learn first playing either live playing online in free games the free games unfortunately they don't really mimic the real money games very well because to play crazy since there's no consequence to losing you should get a handle on poker and strategy and become a competent player before you try to play online poker because there's a lot of people even at the lower stakes on these online poker sites these days who are very good and and they beat you there's Skill really makes a huge difference in poker, and a lot of people don't understand that. That's the only reason professional poker players like me can support themselves with poker, is because even after the rake, which is the portion of each pot that the casino takes for itself, so like you'll win a pot that's $500, the casino will take out $3 from it, which isn't a lot, but it adds up hand after hand after hand. The only way you're going to beat that is if you're good enough to not only beat the other players, but beat the rake that's being taken out of each pot. So on the flip side of it, there are players who are predestined to lose today, but you put them a week and they have almost no chance because there's such a large skill gap between the really good players and the really bad ones. So if you're someone who's just starting out and you're sitting down with people who are very experienced, you're going to get killed. It's, it's kind of like uh, uh, stepping on a basketball court with LeBron James and expecting to beat him. You're not going to do it. Got it. And what would you say the difference between online poker is versus sitting down in Vegas and, and being there live? The differences are the game is a lot faster, more aggressive, and uh, it's, as I mentioned, it's tougher at uh, the same limits. So you, you have to adjust to that. And uh, people ask, what about tells? You can't see anyone's faces. As I said before, that's not a very big part of poker. That's a big part of poker on TV, but it's only a small part of poker in reality. So that part doesn't make much sense, though, believe it or not, there are things that are known as online tells, where sometimes, especially against a novice, you can get an idea of what they have based upon how fast they're with betting their hand. Uh, if, if there's a hesitation, that sometimes means something. So there's things like that. But they are two different 
games in a way. Online and live, you have to understand the difference between them. And online, people bluff more, too, I guess, because no one's there to see them in person. If a bluff fails, there's no embarrassment. So you have to keep that in mind, too. There's more bluffing online. It's a different game. And if you try to play the same strategy in both places, then you're not going to do well. Gotcha. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. You're welcome to join in on this conversation. Either ask a question of Todd or give us your comments. Our call-in number is 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. Or you can use our new Skype feature. Do a Skype call, and my handle is Linda Gross 1490 Linda Gross, 1490. We'll catch you right back after the break. We're going to talk a little bit about fraud. What's your life like right now? Do you ever wish it could change? I have news for you. It can. Blue Dragon University has easy-to-use digital blueprints that lead to instant results. Improve your weight loss goals, intelligence, career, and relationships quickly. Our simple proven techniques at Blue Dragon University will cognitively help you perform better. Blue Dragon has the key. Check us out at BlueDragonENT.com. That's BlueDragonENT.com. Let's boost your life today. Hi guys, you've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, real truth about women that'll change your life forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and if you want to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM, where men can be men. Welcome 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Sorry, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties today. It's We've just kicked off El Nino here in uh, Southern California, but it looks like we have our caller back on the line. Dave, are you there? Yeah. Hi, Todd. Hi, Linda. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Thanks for uh, coming on board. No problem. I've got a, an interesting question. I'm, I'm now in the Midwest in suburban Detroit, and as Todd brought up uh, with sort of some of the difficulties with online poker, here in the suburban Detroit area, there's been an incredible increase in very opulent home games. Now, like in Hollywood, you see that all the time, Toby Maguire, Jason Alexander, um, Todd, Specifically, in, like, say, the Midwest or Middle America, uh, you had made a comment earlier, you can't just walk into a police station and say, hey, I'm playing illegal online poker, and they're going to arrest you. What would happen, say, for example, you're running uh, a, a very large home poker game. Are you running the risk of perhaps the police coming in and, you know, if it's, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, or are you pretty safe running a home game? No, you can definitely uh, get in trouble for it, especially if you're collecting a rake. If you're running a home poker game just with buddies where nobody's raking anything out of the pot and, and basically whoever wins the pot keeps 100% of it, then the house isn't making money and the police don't care about that. But if you're taking a rake and, and doing it uh, for profit, home game Yeah, are. I'm talking like 500 to $5,000 a hand where like cars are parked up around the block and they've sort of remodeled the basement into uh, like a pseudo casino. Is that something that, you know, is on the law enforcement radar? Uh, sometimes it is. Sometimes they do get busted. And what's unfortunate when they get busted, then you don't get paid. <laughs> you just uh, <laughs> you don't usually arrested yourself for playing in them. The the ones running the games are are uh, sometimes in legal trouble after that. But uh, sometimes you don't get paid. That's a, uh, that's one of the risks of playing one of those uh, home games. And some of them are very great, very very good games. In that the people who are in the games. Are they have a lot of money and they're very bad poker players and so they're very easy to beat. You mentioned Toby McGuire. He's probably more won more money in poker than anybody. And is it because Toby McGuire is the best poker player in the world? Not even close. It's that he's a pretty good poker player who, because of his celebrity status, is invited to these very high stakes poker games, these private poker games in the LA area. And he's better than all the amateurs that play against him. Now, I couldn't get into one of those games because they'd say, who are you? And I'd say, well, I'm a poker pro. Well, we don't want you here. There's no incentive to invite someone like me because they don't know me. Uh, there's no willing for them to have me. It's not like Toby McGuire, who's a movie star. So he's a movie star and a good poker player. So he gets invited to these games, and he clicks well, a lot of games. And the uh, people he plays against are after very wealthy, and of course, you have to have a big bankroll to play in the, in the first place. It takes money to make money in poker, and Toby McGuire also had that advantage is that he made a lot of money uh, his acting career, so he has the bankroll to withstand the swim when he gets unlucky. You always have to have enough money to play at whatever stakes you're playing at, no matter how bad the players are, because luck will still beat you sometimes, and you can't have it where you don't have enough money to play where one bad hand will knock you out and you're broke. Right. Now, I've seen you actually play in some tournaments with some celebrities. Uh, who's your favorite celebrity player and who's your least celebrity favorite player? And I'm going to let you go on that question and listen on the radio. Great show, Linda. Great show, Todd. Okay, Thank thanks. you, Dave. 
Well, I, I have played with some celebrity players, and I've also played next to some. Like there was one time at the Bellagio, everyone was surrounding my table, and I was thinking, what's so exciting about this table? It turned out the next table over, Toby Maguire is playing, and Leonardo DiCaprio was sitting right behind him uh, watching the game. But uh, but I have actually played with some celebrities. I've even played with uh, former Lakers owner Jerry Buss, who's no longer with us, but I've played with him before. And I, I don't really have a favorite celebrity I've played with or a least favorite. Uh, I, I, the celebrities that have played with me have always been pleasant, you know, James Woods and Jennifer Tilly and uh, ones like that. I, I, they just kind of act like normal people at the table. I remember uh, Sam Simon, who created The Simptons, along with uh, Matt Groening, he was at my table once at a ter- World Series of Poker tournament. And just before we got to the mark, the 10% mark where everybody gets paid, he had a really – unlucky hand where he got knocked out of the tournament just before the money and someone at the table said well i feel bad for that guy and i said you feel bad for that you know who he is this guy has more money than any of us here by far so uh, now now if you want to feel bad for sam simon it's that he got cancer at a young age and is uh, also no longer with us but uh, all these guys we know now can understand why you sometimes don't notice their celebrities you don't recognize them because they just act like everybody else at the table so that's why I don't really have a favorite and least favorite one. Uh, one thing I do notice is that at the World Series of Poker main event, which is the $10,000 buy-in event, which has a top prize usually of around $9, $10 million, uh, more celebrities playing in that one. Uh, Ray Romano plays every year. Brad Garrett plays. Jason Lynn plays. These guys have never ended up at my table. I was very close to my table. Brad Garrett, I noticed that he always showed up with a very attractive woman who's much, much, much younger than him. Now, she's got to be like early 20s, and he's well over 50. And, uh, and she sits there and watches the entire time, even in the early stages when it's very boring to watch. And I think, wow, that's, I guess she has to do this to remain his girlfriend, even though she's really pretty and in her 20s, and he's a much older guy because he's the one who has the fame and the money. But in, for the most part, it's pretty boring to watch a live poker tournament in the early stages. It's not like watching it on TV where you get to see the exciting final hands who win the big money. So if someone's standing there watching you, I've had my parents ask me before, hey, can I watch you play? And so well, you can, but you're going to be standing here for hours and hours and hours watching that much come on. It's better for you to come towards the end if I'm in the far. What is the time frame? You were mentioning earlier uh, in the show about your third place win versus your first place win. So does this go on over a period of several weeks or something? Or what's yeah, the, the time frame? Po- Sorry about that. Yeah, the World Series of Poker takes place over about a seven-week period in the summer from the very end of May through mid-July. So uh, there's over 60 tournaments that go, including that big one at the end that I talked about, of various buy-ins and you just enter what you want. You just you pay your own way in. You enter what you want, and if you win any of them, then you get the World Series of Poker Gold bracelet, as I did in 2005. Hmm. Awesome. All right, Brad, would you kindly cue one, please? I want to roll with him. My heart that we will be. A little gambling is fun when you're with me. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, if it's not rough, it isn't fine. 
All right. I want to talk a little bit about poker fraud. Uh, in addition to being a World Series of Poker bracelet winner, Todd has also appeared on CNBC and 60 Minutes combating fraud in online poker. Um, he, he actually runs a site called PokerFraudAlert.com. Poker pokerfraudalert.com and he runs a weekly inter- internet radio show from there as well. So I understand that the uh, World Series of Poker is the richest sporting competition in the world. How was it that you decided to enter this specific event and how does that relate to what you uncovered later in your travels with regard to fraud? Well, it, it really didn't have much to do with uh, uncovering fraud though. My show that I do every week, which in fact is on tonight at 7.30, if you go to PokerFraudAlert.com at 7.30 Pacific Time, uh, sometimes I start a bit late, but it's a, a long show. It probably goes about six hours if you want to catch it, and it's uh, uh, talking all about poker and gambling. It's like an uncensored show where I, I'm not afraid to out whatever I see is wrong or anything I see is shady in the poker world, and there's there's a lot of shadiness in the poker world. There's a lot of scams that go on in the poker world because there's a lot of cash there. And there's a lot of people who are naive with the cash. Maybe they're good at poker, but very bad with managing money and very bad at sniffing out scams. So scammers are attracted to poker. That includes individuals who scam, companies that scam. So the show I do talks all about that. And it's always something I've had an interest in because I, I always like to call out things that I believe are not true or misleading people. I I just I'm a big believer in the truth and calling out those that are trying to use deception to harm others. So I actually was touched by fraud and poker in two thousand and two thousand eight, especially in two thousand seven. It was on a site called AbsolutePoker.com. It was an online poker site. I'd been playing there a lot. I'd been there a lot. It seemed totally fine to me until a new player showed up named Greg Hat. I'd never seen him before. And he just was killing everybody. And the strangest thing was, he was playing a very, very bad style. By bad, I mean a style that uh, just was never going to win, not only in the long term, but not even in the medium or the, the short term. This was a guy who was playing so poorly, he should have been losing all his money within an hour, and yet he was killing everybody every time. And at first, I just thought he was getting super lucky. But then after just destroying the game day after day after day after I got beaten for $15,000 by him. I thought there's got to be something going on here. And uh, I talked to some other poker pros who played on Absolute Poker, and they agreed that something was wrong with Grey Cat, that it seemed like he could see our cards. And if if you can see the cards that the other player is holding, uh, you're going to destroy them. There's just about no chance to beat somebody who can see your cards. Right. So we didn't know how he was doing it, but I theorized at the time that he had the ability to do that. In fact, I called him a super user, which is a term I borrowed from my years as a computer scientist. A super user just describing, in this case, a guy who can see everything, every card that's being dipped at the table. Turned out I was right. It was actually an insider within the company. In fact, it was the owner of Absolute Poker doing this to people. Oh, wow. And, and another cycle, Ultimate Bit, which was eventually with Absolute Poker with the same ownership, there was a separate cheating scandal exactly the same going on there as well. So 60 Minutes did a piece on this after tens of millions of dollars was stolen from the poker community, including from me. 
through both of these sites. So I was one of the initial people to call this out. I was one of the initial people to investigate this, and I took a very great interest in exposing this. So when 60 Minutes got word of this and they wanted to do a segment on this called The Cheaters, they asked me if I wanted to participate, and I said yes. So I was on that segment, and then you can still you can find it online actually if you search for it on YouTube. And I was in a second program about the same incident on CNBC called American Greed, where we basically discussed the same thing: the scandals on Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet. And I thought it was important to go on these. I didn't get paid for my appearances. I thought it was important to go on there and spread the word about these two companies and what they had done because these companies were still operating and a lot of people playing there just saw their marketing material and were unaware of what had been done by the ownership of these companies. And because they were foreign-based and because the American authorities didn't care much about online poker anyway, nobody went to jail over this, even though it was known who committed the crimes. And one of the people who committed the crimes, his name is Russ Hamilton, uh, he never got charged even though he was living in the United States. So these people were publicly shamed but never criminally charged. Wow. After all of this investigation, they still never got charged with anything? Yeah. It's wow. uh, it's a shame, but I, I just I wanted to get the word out, and I appeared in other media about this matter. I was even on the the Blu-ray DVD extra <laughs> of uh, of a movie called Runner Runner, which sadly wasn't a very good movie. But Runner Runner was kind of very loosely based on this scandal, starring uh, Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake. And I was on the Blu-ray DVD extra talking about this. Just anywhere that I could get the word out about cheating in online poker and name the bad companies, the bad actors, I wanted that opportunity, even if there's nothing in it for me personally. Wow. Uh, turns out that if you happen to get caught cheating at the tables, it's a capital offense. But online, you might just get off scot-free. So I guess that's what happened in this case. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's also a different type of person you're playing with online, the, the people you're playing with online are much less likely to commit acts of violence against you for cheating them than people in live poker. Uh, a lot of people in live poker, especially in the past, were kind of street smart, uh, hardened people. Some of them even had criminal backgrounds, people you really didn't want to get angry. Uh, online poker, it's a lot of people who are educated, uh, have criminal history, uh, upper middle class, the types who are not going to go and beat someone up or kill someone over being cheated out of money. So uh, they were, and a lot of them were pretty young too. A lot of online poker players are very young. I forgot to mention that earlier, that the average age for the online poker player is much, much younger than the live poker player. Uh, I'm almost 44 years old, and I'm definitely like the old man of online poker. Mm -hmm. Whereas at a live poker table, I'm about average. And I understand there's an awful lot of people playing. A half a million people gamble on the Internet right now, even though it's illegal and unregulated in the United States. It's an $18 billion industry, um, which is illegal in the United States. So are there measures to, you know, uh, shore up this loophole? There are, 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 are legislators it, doing anything with regard to this? Because it yeah. just seems like so many taxpayer dollars are just going right out the window. Yes, there, there have been a number of attempts to legalize and regulate online poker. Now, the figure you mentioned about the $18 billion, this includes all forms of online gambling, casino gambling, which I would never do online. You should never play blackjack or anything online. You have no idea if you're being dealt a fair game. Because you're playing directly against the house. At least in poker, when you're playing online, you're playing against other players and not the house. 
but there have been attempts to legalize online poker. It's been moving very slowly. As I said earlier, there's three states where it is legal, but you have to play on licensed and regulated sites. But there are 47 states. It's not legal, including California. And uh, this may eventually become legal everywhere, or at least in most states. There are some states that are very opposed to any kind of gambling, like Utah and Hawaii have no gambling whatsoever and probably never will. But I think online poker will eventually be legal throughout the country. It's a very slow process to get done. There's been a number of attempts. That's really what I'd like to see happen. So this way, you know you're being dealt a fair game. There are legal and criminal consequences for anyone who cheats. Right now, it really is like the wild, wild west out there in online poker. So how do you take that risk as a player? How do you know that the site is legit and that they're playing fairly? That's a good question. And there's a simple answer. You don't. So why would I do it? Well, yeah. do it is you have to just make a common sense judgment. Do I think in general everything looks okay? Does it seem like the game is playing normally? And if the answer is yes, if you're still winning money, you just have to put out of your head that maybe there's a house player that's cheating you or something like that in there and, and play anyway. If you're doing well, the way I look at it is if I'm sitting there, if I don't know for sure cheating is occurring or if I don't know that it is, if I think it could be but I don't see any evidence it is, and if I'm winning and if I keep cashing out and I'm making money doing it, then I shouldn't stop just because I'm paranoid that maybe someone's there cheating. Now, if I know somebody's cheating me, they're not going to play. It's not putting a stop to it or even worse if the site is doing it. But I do want to say one thing to those who might think they're being cheated. I hear, from, I hear all the time from players who play – 10 cent, 25 cent, no limit hold'em, who talk about all the cheating that goes on there, how the site is rigged against them, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. As was proven in the scandal with the Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet uh, situation where they could see your whole cards, they didn't go after like that. They went after the high-stakes games. That's where the money is. So if you're playing low-stakes poker online, there's a very, very tiny chance you're being cheated. That game is probably legitimate because the site wants to steal money. If hackers get in somehow and want to steal money, they're not going to target your N25 game. They're going to target the big games. Because that's where the money is. Why would you target a game like that when there's a game running that's a thousand bigger, literally? So uh, if you're seeing what you believe are suspicious hands at low-stakes poker, what's probably happening is either you're just really unlucky recently or you're not as a player as you think or both. Hmm. So define uh, for our audience, what what would you consider high stakes? Well, it, it depends online or live, but uh, and it depends whether you're playing No Limit. Uh, like No Limit, which I know most of you play. I actually play Limit more often than No Limit, but I know most of you who listen and probably play No Limit if you play poker. Uh, something like uh, 10, 20, No Limit and above is considered high stakes. Uh, 5, 10, 2, 5 is kind of medium. And then uh, anything below that is low, and then what's called micro stakes, and you only see that online, or things like two cent, four cent, five cent, ten cents, where there's really not very much money being wagered. And what those numbers mean for those of you that don't know is those special bits people are forced to put in uh, when the hand starts. As known as the blows, where two players have to put in money before the hand starts. So uh, the ten twenty, one person puts in ten dollars, another person puts in twenty dollars, and then people bet from there. So in those games, like the 1020, the bets have to be at least that amount, and then, of course, they can go up from there. So those are much higher stakes games when the forced bets at the beginning are $0.05 cent to $0.10. Cent. 
Gotcha. And the person who was the owner of that that offshore uh, account that got busted, um, do you think he was acting alone or did he have like a whole room full of employees helping him watch everybody's hands and all the cards going on? He he wasn't the owner. So he was uh, doing this along with the other owners. There were a few people involved with this. But uh, I don't think he let in the employees into the situation because if even one employee didn't feel good about this, they could leak out what was going on and it would ruin the whole thing. Right. So so I I believe it was kept a secret among those few who were doing it, the other owners. But uh, this guy is not in the U.S. He's from the U.S., but he got away with it too other than having his name harmed chilling oh i hope they uh shore all that up (laughs) all right okay everybody um for next week's show you can tune in next wednesday and that's going to be on january the 13th january the 13th we're going to have an exciting show for you at that time as well from the chilling documentary where you're going to talk about the eradication of men how they are systematically poisoning your food and your mind to render your sex obsolete. Um, it's a much must watch, uh, must listen to show. Um, that's the eradication of men coming up next time. Um, I want to thank my guest today, Todd Wattellis. Uh Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you here. We'll have to uh, do this again and catch up with you at your next event, and uh, you'll give us uh, future poker moves. I <laughs> will, and thank you for having me on, Linda. I enjoyed being on the program. Of course. All right, everybody. We'll see you next Wednesday, January 13, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to the show.